Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Can everyone please open up to Psalms 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so it should never be moved. You covered it with the deepest with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to the flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sunk down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants, for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of a man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he had planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows it's time for setting. You make the darkness and it is night, when all the beasts of the forest creep around. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go to the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. My meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Nick, for reading the word. Uh, Good evening, everyone. It's nice to see you. Um, I see a bunch of new faces out there. It's really exciting to see some new people here at church tonight. Uh, I'm Simon, uh, the lead pastor here at City Light Church in North Adelaide. Uh, Welcome to church on behalf of, and just to add to that, to Nick's and everyone else's. It's good to see you here. It is going to be exciting next week. So we are going to celebrate uh, three years of being a church here in North Adelaide. Um, If you've been around for a while, um, our kind of journey as a church has been, you know, somewhat rocky, um, but God has been kind of unchanging throughout and faithful throughout it. Um, So it's going to be an opportunity for us to kind of just gather together uh, over some food next Sunday night and uh, just together give thanks to God, um, praise Him in the company of each other. So it's going to be a good night. So do come back. You're very welcome. Even if this is your first night and you're looking for a party to go to, you're very welcome to come back next week. So do join us as well. That'd be great. Um, We are actually... um, 
sort of in-between Bible teaching series. So uh, last week we wrapped up our series in the book of Acts. Um, We got through to about chapter 19. Uh, We're going to pick that up again early next year in 2020. Uh, But uh, for the next five weeks, not tonight, but starting next week as well, uh, we've got a series coming up called Common Sense for the Silly Season. Um, Who finds the silly season? We're, We're kind of in it now, right? It's November, Christmas is like moments away. Who finds the silly season a bit kind of challenging, a bit confusing, a bit exciting, a few nods. What are you talking about, Simon? Um, you know, I love Christmas. It's the best. You know, I've got my list ready to go. You know, just hoping to get those hankies again. You know, that would be great. Um, you know, I don't know. This season comes around every year, right? And it's, sometimes it presents a challenge. It's, it, is, it is exciting. I've got three small children, at least two of them kind of can't wait. Um, we've told them that something good is going to be given to them, and they're at us, like, all the time. What is it? What is it? And uh, all we say is it's going to be really good. Um, they can't wait for Christmas. But for many of us, right, Christmas is, can be a really challenging time. It can be a great time. It can be a confusing time. Um, and we need to sort of know, I think at least I feel, how to navigate this well, particularly as God's people. Um, and so over the next five weeks, starting next week, we're going to hit some subjects like how to deal with consumerism, um, how to deal with difficult people, who's going to confront some difficult people at Christmas time. Everyone's got that difficult uncle, you know, welcome to church if you're here tonight and that's you. Um, you know, we've all got difficult people in our lives. How are we going to love them? How are we going to be like Christ to them around Christmas time? Uh, we're going to think about uh, what else are we going to do? Consumerism, how to d- deal with difficult people. Uh, we're going to hit uh, food, right? Food and drink, big part of Christmas. How do we think through eating and drinking and being merry? Um, from a Christian point of view. Um, and then one of the other ones is, um, who's looking forward to holidays? Who's looking forward to holidays? Come on. Yes, yeah. How are you going to take a holiday? Have you ever thought about that? How are you going to take a holiday? How are you going to holiday well? And even holiday to the glory of God. That's what we're going to think a little bit of as well, okay? So that's coming up. Um, holidaying is going to be the final one. Just when you're packing your bags, thinking about Victor Harbour, you know, Port Elliot, whatever it might be. How are you going to holiday well? So that's what we're going to do. Um, But really, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to think a little bit about God. Yeah? That's a a new thing around here. We're going to think about it. We're going to praise God together as we think about his word. And I'm hoping that this week may kind of be like a a week of thanksgiving for us here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. As we move towards celebrating three years of us being a church in Christ, um, where we're going to give thanks next week over some food. I thought I'd sort of get the Thanksgiving started tonight. That's why we're in Psalm 104. Um, But what I thought I might get you to do, just really quickly, with a person around you or with your iPhone or what are the other ones called? Androids? You know, I don't even know. They even exist. Um, Yeah, what I want you to do, pull that out or talk to the person next to you. When you think about 2019, what are you thankful for? Uh, What are you thankful for? Um, Turn to the person next to you. Or just note some things down on your phone if you don't want to talk to the person next to you. You've had enough of them already. Um, go for it. I'll give you a couple of minutes. What, do you, what have you been thankful for as you look back on 2019? Go for it. Two minutes. All right. How'd you go? Plenty, plenty I reckon, to be thankful for if you do take a minute to think about it. Um, yeah, perhaps even if it's been a fairly tricky hard 2019 for you and you're kind of really looking forward to 2020 kind of ticking in, Um, even in the midst of hard stuff, right, there's things to be thankful for. Um, And we're going to sort of just dwell on God and his goodness tonight and his provision of so many things. So would you pray with me? Um, And uh, do keep Psalm 104 open in front of you. Um, Heads down and that would be a great thing to do tonight. But let's pray together and ask God to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we uh, just ask tonight uh, that in your mercy um, and appealing to your goodness and your kindness and your pursuing love of us, that, Father, you would by your spirit and through your word uh, shine the light of your truth tonight, Lord, into our hearts, Father, into our minds. Uh, Father, shine the light of your truth uh, into our, our, our souls, even into our bones as well, Father, that we would leave here tonight Um, awestruck by how good you are, Uh, Father, conscious of just how much you give us, even though we don't deserve anything. Uh, Father, we pray that you would help us to leave here tonight living for your praise, uh, singing your song, uh, 
and, Lord, giving you glory. And, Lord, we ask this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have small, three small children, as I said, and we were given a CD um, six, seven, maybe eight weeks ago um, of God songs, we call them. And they're kind of, it's a, a song, uh, God songs for kids. And uh, we were thinking, uh, we sing these songs, they're on the, in the car all the time, you know, Father Abraham has many kids, many kids. It's, it's on repeat, right? Like, you know, Dad, can we have the Abraham song? And we do that one. And then, Dad, can we have the Peter and John go up to pray song? And like, it's just on repeat, right? So these kind of songs have been on my mind, uh, songs of kind of ye olde or yesteryear. Anyway, as I was thinking about this, another kind of old song came to my heart and mind, Jehovah Jireh. Anyone know Jehovah Jireh? Who wants to sing it, anyone? You know, sing it later on. Uh, Jehovah Jireh. Um, some of you know, um, it's not very popular these days. I think it peaked in the 1970s. Uh, that's when it was really good. Um, I'm not going to sing it to you, but because um, that would be less than edifying, I reckon. Um, but uh, here's the words, right? Here's some of the words at least, right? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Join in if you want. Um, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He will give his angels charge over me. Say it with me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Is that true? Is it true? I want to start by thinking tonight, is that true for the Christian living in Burma? Uh, is that true for the Christian who lives in China right now? Is it true for many Christians who live in the Middle East right now? Would, would they sing that song? Um, I'm not talking about the, the, the Christians in those places who are sort of a little bit removed from the action, but Christians who are kind of right at the centre of the hardship and the persecution and the challenge. Uh, the Christians who have lost their homes, that the churches whose pastors have been imprisoned and maybe in China the, the whole place has been just bulldozed, or maybe Christian children who've lost their mum and dad and they're now orphaned. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He cares for me, for me, for me. And what about you? You're leaving aside the probably slightly dodgy 70s tune and some interesting theology in the song. But if you just zoom in on the main point of the song, Lord provides. Can you sing the song? Would you sing the song? I mean, as you reflect back on 2019 and you do reflect on those, you know, those deep desires and longings in your heart, the things perhaps that you've been longing for, you've been praying for, for a very long time, perhaps something you've been praying about for the whole of 2019, and from God you've got a kind of silence. I don't know, like, I don't know, the empty womb, the, the lonely, aching heart, that, that illness that just won't go away that relationship that is still fractured, that busted up in January earlier this year, and it's just, it's a mess. A job, been praying for a job. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He cares for me, for me, for me. Psalm 104, which Nick read for us before, praises the Lord, right? It praises the Lord. It praises the Lord for he is the one who created the world and not only created the world, but provides for all the creatures he has made. It's a piece of poetry. That's what lots of the Psalms are, a piece of poetry written by a person who, had faith in the live, who has faith in the living God. And he reckons his basic kind of stance and attitude to the world is that God provides and he's good. The psalm, Psalm 104, I think is meant to be read alongside Psalm 103. That It's like a sister psalm, if you want to say that. Why do I say that? Well, both of them begin with the words, if you have it open in front of you, bless the Lord, O my soul, or praise the Lord, O my soul. That little sentence, praise the Lord, O my soul, appears in these two psalms, only these two psalms. Out of the whole 150 psalms we have in the Scriptures, 
Only these two psalms have that phrase, and I think that's what kind of bonds them together. Psalm 103, the one that comes before Psalm 104, I think that we've got that, you know, it talks about the abounding, steadfast love of God. The Hebrew word is chesed. Can you say that with me? Chesed, bit of, bit of phlegm in the throat. You know, chesed, his steadfast, unchanging love. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, for his steadfast love. Psalm 104, you tick over the page or so, speaks about the creatures of the Lord, those he has made, and how he sustains all the creatures that he has made and the earth that he's put together. And together, these two psalms just kind of praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord as the saviour who forgives people and let's praise the Lord who's the creator who sustains all things. The saviour who forgives and the creator who sustains, who provides. It's challenged though, isn't it? When we think about the God who provides, that he does provide for his creation, I think it's challenged when stuff kind of goes wrong in our world and kind of wrong in our lives. Um, I don't know, when stuff goes wrong in the world, the cyclones, the earthquakes. Um, I, I couldn't help be gutted when I heard that news recently out of the UK of that truck that was found full of 38 dead people who'd been shipped from a country. I was just like, I just couldn't believe it. When stuff like that happens, climate change, or the, or the personal stuff, not the big world stuff, but the personal stuff that kind of crashes into our lives and we're tempted to kind of doubt the goodness of God. We doubt either God's control, we doubt his goodness and his love. And we ask questions like, well, like, I've read the Bible, but is God really sovereign? My personal life experience suggests otherwise. Is he really sovereign? Is he really good? Is he really loving? And I want to say, right... If we get to a point where we don't think God is sovereign, where we don't think he's loving, where we don't think God is good, then we're going to struggle to follow him. So let's look at the truth about God that's set before us in this psalm tonight, Psalm 104. It leaves us, right, in no doubt that God is sovereign, that he is the God who sovereignly rules and superintends all things. God's kinship, right, is actually kind of like the bedrock of every single of the 150 Psalms in the Bible, but it's expressed with massive clarity, I think, in this Psalm, Psalm 104, and also Psalm 103. If you've got your Bible open, Psalm 103, verse 19 says this, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. And then you see the opening verse, or basically of Psalm 104, the psalmist goes, O Lord my God, you are very great. O Lord my God, you are very great. And then he just goes on to kind of spell out, let me just show you how great the living God really is. The image of God is painted. He's a king and he's clothed with honour and majesty. We're just sort of seeing how majestic God is. The garment he wraps around himself is dazzling light. He spreads out the heavens as easily as like a, I don't know, a guy who can make a tent really quickly camps out in the wilderness, just like drops it in and bang, there it is. Um, He spreads out the heavens as easily as that. He builds his palace on the waters to show that his kingly rule is even over the waters. He goes forth as a warrior, riding on the thunderstorms, using its winds and lightning as his helpers. He makes clouds his chariots, riding on the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers. He makes flame his servants. And that's just his achievements in the heavens, but it's matched by his achievements on the earth. He comes down and he creates earth and he imposes his wise and good order over everything. You know, the waters, the symbol of chaos that would threaten life on the land. God just kind of puts the water in its place. It's really cool. The waters just go exactly where the living God tells them to go. Have a look at verse 7. I love this. Um, At your rebuke, the psalmist says, the waters flee. At the sound of your thunder, they take flight. They rose up to the mountains, ran down to the valleys, get this, to the place that you appointed for them. Like when I read this, right, the word that comes to my mind is like ease. My kids would say easy peasy. Yeah, it's just, it's ease. And the psalm 
was read, I wondered if you noticed the connections of Psalm 104 with the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, if you notice any parallels. The same elements of creation um, that we meet in chapter 1 of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, reappear in Psalm 104. And you get the same sense, I think, in Psalm 104 is the same sense in Genesis 1 of just the ease of which God kind of creates stuff. And God said, right, and then it was. So let there be light, and there was light. Let the land produce vegetation, and then, you know, I don't know, carrots came popping up, potatoes, you know, or you name it, it's all there. Let there be galaxies, and there are as many galaxies in the universe as there are grains on the sands of all the beaches in the world, at least the scientists tell me that. And if that's true, that just blows my little brain to pieces. It is extraordinary. It's all so easy. O Lord my God, you are very great, says the psalmist. But it doesn't stop there. We're told that God uses his control over the world to provide for the creatures he's made. Um, That potential enemy and threat to life, water, God redirects it so that it promotes life. Rather than kind of crashing into life and destroying life, God moves the water around in order to promote life. So have a look at verse 10. Um, You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills, giving drink to every wild animal. The wild asses quench their thirst. Like the waters of chaos have now, with the word and hand of God, become waters of blessing. Even for wild asses. I've never met a wild ass before. Not that I know of. But even them, God provides water for. Um, One commentator says this, let me quote, uh, quote, The wild ass, resistant to all domestication, is an image of unfettered freedom. God's sustenance of his creatures extends to the wild and the tame, to beast and to man or humankind. And I love it, right? Verse 12, this is God's provision just on display. Verse 12 and 17 God provides habitation for the birds so they can like tweet and fly around everywhere and just have a good old time. It's wonderful in the branches. Verse 18, like if you're a mountain goat, right, you need a mountain to kick around on, yeah? Otherwise, you're not much of a mountain goat. So the Lord just says, here, goat, have a mountain. Like it is just spectacular. And then there are, then, then there are the conies or the rock badgers or the hyrax. I, don't, I, mean, I have no idea what these creatures are, right? Um, all I know is I'm pretty sure they need like little nooks and crap, you know, crevices so they can hide away in. And what does God do? Here, little coney or rock badger, have a little nook and a cranny so you can hide away and be protected. It's like a, it's like a zoo, like this sound. It's like this sprawling panorama, zoological panorama. It's quite spectacular. God gives water. God provides shelter. And then there's food. Uh, we need that too, another necessity of life. So verse 14 You cause the grass to grow for the cattle, plants for the people to use, to bring forth food from the earth, wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. God provides his creatures with food. And for life to work properly, right, it needs its rhythms and you see this from verses 19 through 23. Follow with me. You have made the sun You've made through the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and it's night, and then all the animals of the forest come creeping out. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. People go out for their work and to their labor until they come back in the evening. There's the moon, there's the sun. And they know when to come up and to go down. It brings darkness, right? And then all the wild animals go out and kind of do their stuff, you know? And then that stops. And then they rest during the day. And then we humans come out and kind of do our thing. I don't know, go and drink soy decaf lattes, um, you know, down O'Connell Street, bakery items, you know, and go and do our work. Um, I just want to pause here for a minute and say we must never forget, right, just how much of a blessing it is to be able to work. It's a wonderful blessing. To be able to engage in some kind of meaningful, productive activity that contributes to the world around us. That is a huge blessing. 
that when I worked as a physiotherapist before I went into gospel ministry in a full-time way, um, I, would, I would treat people who had a particular injury and it would sort of knock them out of work. Initially, when they'd come and see me, it would be, it would be fine. Like, you know, they'd go, you know, because I don't want to have, you know, a disc bulging out of my lumbar spine, but hey, I'm pretty sure we're going to get over this. And I'm like, yeah, man, we're going to crush this thing, you know, like we're going we're gonna to get you back in there. But over time, right, it may not be that they get back to work. Only a few people I treated when I was a physio um, were kind of being treated on a long-term basis. But I could see just how important work was for their health. As they were unable to get back to work, it just began to really eat away at them. And so if you're here tonight and, and you have a meaningful job, if you have about the ability to work productively and contribute, then give thanks to God for that. We were made to work. I know, you know, in this day and age, right, this side of the fall, so we were made to be with God and to enjoy him forever in the garden in Eden, and it was our turning our back on God that then brought about the fall, and as we rejected God, everything gets undone. It's interesting, though, before the fall, men and women in God's creation, we worked. We worked the garden. So it's not just like, you know, gosh, it wouldn't be great if we were pre-fall, we were just sitting on banana lounges and sipping cocktails, you know, somewhere, you know, not doing any work. That wasn't the case. Work's actually good for us. It's been part of our createdness from the beginning. It's just that now, because of sin and its impact, we sort of work amongst the thistles and the thorns and the weeds. It's not easy. But give thanks to God for the work that you have. I don't know whether that's like repaving a street Collecting rubbish, helping people in a nursing home, raising kids, keeping a home, doing your study each and every day. These are gifts from God. These are gifts from God. I once had a job um, repaving a street. I didn't think that was actually a really good gift from God. I questioned that big time. I, I, was, I was paving a street. I, I, really, I was at university. I really wanted to... Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to um, do a job that was sort of outside. So I went to what was used, I, I, don't, I don't think it was called Centrelink at the time, but I went down there to look for a job. I punched in landscape gardening. This one ticket came out. I got the guy's number. I called him. He's like, yeah, mate, I'll pick you up on the side of the freeway at Crafers at 6.30 in the morning. I'm like, 6.30 in the morning? Are you for real? The truck, a truck comes along, right? A big truck with a bobcat on the back. It comes along. He's like, you know, and I'm like, get in, Simon. I'm like, okay. You know, like, and I'm thinking like wheelbarrow and some mulch, right? This was like a truck with a bobcat on it. And I'm like, so I'm sitting in there, like, and I'm, I've never met this guy before. I'm sitting in the big truck going down the freeway, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, and he's like, oh, you know, we're doing some bitumen work down in St. Peter's. Oh, right. I didn't realise that. Yeah, 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 we're going to dig up some trees and we're going to dig up the sidewalk and we're going to repave the, the sidewalk and put bitumen down. I've, I don't think I've ever worked harder for two weeks of my life. We got to the end and he said to me, oh, Simon, we've got another job. Do you want to do that? No, thanks. <laughs> Fine with you. But if you are a repaver of a street, welcome to church. It's great to have you here. You are, you are contributing to... I didn't feel like I was contributing to anything apart from the end of my life. But, but God, is, God is good and work is really good for us. And I want to say tonight, like, we're a church which makes, wants to make Jesus known in North Adelaide and beyond. And to, to make that happen and to do that across the city, we need more and more men and women who are willing to give their lives to the work of the gospel, to, you know, pausing or stopping their regular day job, going somewhere and getting trained in the Bible in order to be able to then lead churches, lead God's people, plant new churches. We want to be doing that. And we want to be encouraging that. But I don't ever... If I ever am up the front and I say, you know, the need of the harvest is great, you know, the work you do at the hospital or wherever it is is not as good as gospel ministry, can you just come up and, like, slap me across the face? Because, yes, we need more gospel workers, right? Yeah, absolutely, we need more churches planted. But if you're doing meaningful work, then you're contributing to society and you're doing a good thing. So keep up, keep on keeping on. I don't know, you're seeing the picture of God that's emerging here. It's wonderful. It's a picture of God who, who makes all things and he sustains all things. It's a picture of the God who is intimate, right? He's intimate with our, in our lives. He knows the number of hairs on your head. 
He knows what you're going to think before it's even come into your consciousness. But it's also a picture of this big God, a regal God, and his relationship with the world. God is distinct from the world, but he's anything but remote from it. And his basic fundamental stance towards everything that he has made is that he provides for it. The Lord provides for his creatures and creation. O oh Lord my God, you are very great. It's interesting, isn't it, how humans kind of get lumped in with all the other creatures. We just get lumped in with the birds and the reptiles and the cattle and the conies or rock badgers, right? You know, you might know the Psalms a little bit. In Psalm 8, you know, humans are pictured in Psalm 8 as having this really high and privileged and elevated position. I don't think it's a contrast, though, here. I think it's just a healthy reminder, right, that our existence in the world is as dependent on God as every other creature. We've been in Acts, right, for the last bunch of weeks. Acts chapter 17, Mark spoke on this. In him, in God, we, we live and breathe and we have our being. It's in him. And so all glory to him. And it got me thinking, right, if this is the God whom we love, it's, this is the God who we, we know, then what happens when you know this God? What happens when you know that God is your provider? I think a bunch of things happen to us. It frees us up. Frees us up. I think it frees us from FOMO, the fear of missing out. Anyone feel that? Um, free you up from fearing that you're going to miss out. You know, guys, it's not like there's a limited amount of resource out there and, you know, you might not get what you want. You know, someone else is going to get all the goodies and you're going to sit there with kind of nothing in your hands. The Lord is the provider and he will give you what you need. I think it frees us up as well. It frees us from FOMO. It frees us up from holding on to stuff too tightly, to possess stuff. Um, ever visited a friend's house? You know, come away with the attack of the wants? Oh, I'd really like that television. You know, mine's only like 75 inches wide. His is like 80. You know, imagine what I could... Imagine watching Richmond win the grand final on that next year. Like, that'll just change my life. You ever had that? There's a house that's for sale across the road and it looks a bit better than mine. I'm like, I want that. Pity I just can't sell out. You know, like, I'm not, it's not, like I think they've got better stuff than me. It's me as well. And the same sort of envy happens, right? Not just over TVs and, and houses. I think it manifests in less kind of material ways uh, when we sort of begin to compare ourselves with others. Oh, I really would like their looks. I really like their abilities. Oh, their personality. If only I had their personality. Um, that would be good. I struggle with this, right? I think this is where, for me, it actually manifests, is comparing myself with others. Wanting to be like that person. Growing, I don't know, uncomfortable with the person that I am, rather than just thanking God for the way he's made me and wired me and given me the skills and abilities that he has. I was at a, um, a conference in Melbourne a couple of, couple, uh, last week, or the week before last, sorry. And um, this point came out in one of the teaching sessions and the guy, Mark Clark, was speaking and he was talking about how all of us, right, to varying degrees, kind of compare ourselves with others and that can be really kind of, well, really hard, you know, and, and, we, and it can be a real struggle for us. And he, was, um, he shared this really cool story. I can't pull it off really well, but I'm going to give it a crack. He shared this story of this pastor who he shared the platform with a few times um, over in Vancouver and, and Canada. And this guy... Um, he shares the, the, the platform with sometimes. He's really good at doing that sort of first-person stuff, like when he, he comes up and he preaches, right? And rather than just sort of launching and going, like me, hey, we're in Psalm 104, he sort of comes out and says, oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. You know, he sort of starts to take on the persona and he sort of talks about real life. And it's only after a little while he realised, oh, my gosh, he's like, He's being the psalmist or he's, he's being like a Pharisee or something like that. And um, everyone's like, you know, people are sitting there listening to him. Apparently he's really good. And people are just like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible. I've never heard the word of God and, you know, taught like that. And there's all these pastors, right, sitting in the room and they're all like watching him going, I'm going to do that next week when I go to church. And the, and the people at City Light North Adelaide are going to think it's great. And so, you know, Nick does his intro, he reads the Bible and, and out I come, you know, fumbling around and then I go, oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. And you're all sitting there going, what's happened to Simon? 
oh, like, that's... And then, right, then we say, hey, Christmas time, invite your friends. And what happens? I turn up for a little short talk at the Christmas Community Carols on the 21st of December, just getting a plug in there, and um, it's time for a talk, and I come out, you know, and I'm sort of like, and I start acting again. I was there when the baby Jesus was in the trough, and you're going, oh, my gosh. And I finally got a friend to come to something to church and look at him, right? It's all, you know, but I'm, like, it's all driven by the desire to compare. Oh, wow, look how good he is at doing that. If only I could do that, then I could just be like dynamic and all these pews here would be full. Failing to realise that God is the God who provides and he has actually made you and me the way he's made you and me with all your flaws and foibles, but your gifts and your talents and your abilities. And if only we'd stop kind of trying to be other people, maybe we could be more effective. I think that's a real word to me, right? This is the preacher preaching to the preacher. I compare myself to everyone all the time and it's crippling and I'm praying that God would just, just like shank that out of me. Maybe that's you as well. Fear of missing out. The freedom now to kind of not hold on to stuff too tightly. The freedom just to to thank God for the way he's wired me. God is the great provider. He gives us what we need and there's plenty to enjoy. Let's share what we've got. You're not going to miss out. I think also this... Perspective that God provides also frees us from being, I've called it, technically grumble bums. You don't have to put your hand up and identify to this, but I think many of us probably would say, yeah, I can be a grumble bum. Whingers, complainers. But I hope this psalm reminds us just how much we have and to be thankful for it. And the Lord gives us things that gladden our hearts and sustain our hearts, as it says in verse 15. He just gives us abundance of stuff, right? So many good things. Um, he could, just, he could just say to us, right, human beings, eat grass. Human beings only drink water. But he gives us so much. I'm reminded of that every time I go around the corner from our house to a, a fruit and veg market called Chanel's up on the corner. And I walk in there and I'm almost paralysed sometimes as to know what apple to purchase. Have you ever had that experience? Like, I'm told, go and get six apples. So I walk in there and I'm like, oh, flip, which ones? Like, there's 20. I go for the cheap one, right, because that's who I am. But, you know, like, there's so much. Abundance. God is into abundance. He showers us with so many good things. And life can be hard, yeah? Life can be hard, but it's also permeated with so many happy moments. The warmth of the sun on your face, the, the, the consuming of just a delicious meal, a good thing to drink and hanging out with good friends. Let's not forget how good God is. The Lord provides, he gladdens and sustains our heart. The creator is not only sovereign, right? He is good, really good. He does good work and lots of good work. So the psalmist in verse 24 just is overwhelmed by the goodness of, uh, and the amazement of the, the number of good works God does. Verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are your works. How many are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Even the sea, right? The object of, dr- object of dread for the land-loving sort of Israelites and Hebrews, even that gets woven into praise. Verse 25, Yonder is the sea, great and wide, creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships and the Leviathan that you form to sport in it or frolic in it. You know the sea. Most people I know don't like going out into the sea too far right? because it gets dark out there and then you start wondering what's beneath me. You know, um, The Hebrews, the original people of God, hated the sea like it was a place of horror and dread and terror um, to think what was in it. But, you know, the slimy, freaky animals that, you know, sometimes I flick on Facebook and you see those little things pop up saying, things that live five million kilometres under the sea. And there are these, like, freakish things, right? You just go, whoa, what is that? But the psalmist, right, when he thinks about all these sea creatures and thinks about the Leviathan, these huge kind of sea monsters, the psalmist, like, likens them to, like, frisky little puppies. Pretty much what he says. They're as much a part of the Lord's extraordinary creative work as anything else is. Robert Alter, he's a bit more sophisticated than me, written a great translation of the Psalms. He writes this, quote, Indeed, Leviathan, the sea monster, appears in this poem as nothing more than a tame aquatic pet, 
among the other manifold creatures of the sea. Friends, we're not talking here about Mother Nature. You know, the Lord God made them all. There's another song we could sing if we wanted to. Every part of the, everything is part of the order, the symmetry and the majesty of his creation, and it so clearly reveals his wisdom, his power, his purpose, and his goodness. But then we, we do need to stop again and, and think about what about the cyclones and the earthquakes and those sort of calamitous things that happen? How do we reconcile those things that happen in our world regularly, it would seem, with what the psalmist is doing here, praising God for his goodness and creativity and his providence? Well, we really need to realise at least at very first that the psalms are not written to answer every single question we might have. The psalmist's mindset is set on the essential goodness and reliability of the earth because of the God who made it and because of the God who sustains it. At one level, that consistency of God is seen in events like earthquakes and uh, cyclones. There was a, um, a very famous uh, earthquake that hit um, Lisbon in Portugal in the year 1755. It happened actually on All Saints Day, um, which has just happened for us, really. Uh, All Saints Day, 1755, um, lots of people were in churches, lots of churches collapsed, and about 50,000 worshippers in that city on that particular day died. One theologian, study, person who studied the Bible, answered the question. He said, quote, On that day, God willed that the earth crushed should act according to its nature, an expression of God's order. And yet the impact of such events on his creation and his creatures, and especially new creatures in Christ, that can cause us to ask some questions. Perhaps we're given a clue when the psalmist continues in verse 27 through to 30 about the sort of fragility of life. Um, these verses I'm about to read just kind of ram home for us that actually every single creature is absolutely dependent on the good and living God, not only for food but for life. Have a look at verse 27. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they're dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they're created, and you renew the face of the earth or the ground. Here again is the sovereign hand of God. A creature's life is given and a creature's life is taken away by God, including human beings, yours and mine. And I think this is where actually our sister psalm, Psalm 103, can kind of help us, provides a, a healthy and, and helpful perspective, reminding us that the taking away of life is not the whole story. Have a look at Psalm 103, verse 15. Now, the psalmist says, As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. Frail as summer's flower we flourish, blows the wind and it is gone, but while mortals rise and perish, do you know what it comes next? God endures, unchanging on. Psalm 103, verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Picture's a little bit murky, perhaps in Psalm 103. How do we make sense of that? I think it's clarified for us if you zoom forward to the New Testament and to the Lord Jesus. Yes, death comes to us all, but it's not the end for those who are in Christ and fear the Lord. His love for them endures forever and ever and ever. Death for the follower of the Lord Jesus is not the great end that so many in our world fear. It's really just the beginning. It's not the great end that we ought to fear. It's just the beginning. If you come back, Psalm 104, verse 28. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they're filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. I wonder, have you ever, maybe this year, sort of just paused or thought as you're doing things, have you ever thought, I just don't feel like the Lord's hand is open to me? 
I feel like he's kind of retreated or recoiled. He's not giving me anything anymore. Have you ever had that? The reality is, if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, his hand is always open to you. I mean, you might have been hungry, but as Christians, we don't live by bread alone, do we? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever drinks the water I will give will never thirst. Psalm 104 verse 29 does speak about the Lord hiding his face, taking life from his creatures, but the Lord never hides his face from his children. He's always watching over us. He's always caring for us. He's always pursuing us with his love. He's providing for us. Although every day, if you're like me, we walk away from God, we cheat on God, he is still after us. He is still pursuing us and he is still good and kind and providing for us. Yeah, God may not give us what, he want, what we want, but God always gives us what we need. And just think about for a minute our greatest need. Deliverance from sin and deliverance from death. And that has been provided to us by a good and loving and gracious God. And that's why in 1 Peter 4 verse 19, a letter written to followers of Jesus in the first century, a situation where they found themselves persecuted and having a really hard time, was just like, God, where are you? What are the believers told to do? They're told to commit themselves to their faithful creator to keep trusting Jesus. So with all this in mind, like, how do we respond to this tonight? What do we do with this psalm? What do we do with this word? Well, I think the psalmist tells us, when you recognise that the good, great, mighty creator and living God, when the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ provides for us all the time, if that's what you know and that's what you believe, then you begin to wish for certain things and you begin to do certain things. What do we wish for? What do we long for as God's people redeemed through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have a look, verse 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. The wish of the psalmist, the wish of the follower of the Lord God is that despite the earthquakes, despite the exploding volcanoes and cyclones, that the Lord will continue to reveal his wondrous glory through the delightful things that he's made and that he might continue to find joy in his creatures, the ones he's made. That he might find joy in the playful antics of the little animals, the leviathan in the sea, the mountain goats, the rock badgers, the three-toed sloths, whatever, and the psalmist also wishes that evil would be done away with. Do you notice that? Verse 35. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. At first glance, right, that seems like a pretty harsh and jarring note to kind of almost conclude the, the, the psalm one, isn't it? Like it's just been leaping leviathan and three-toed sloths and you know mountain goats and provision and wine to gladden the heart and oil. And then you go... I wish that sinners were consumed and off the earth. But see, for the psalmist, that the wicked and, and sin, sin doesn't belong in his vision for the world. He, he sees the wicked, he sees that they live in it, they benefit from all that the Lord does and that the Lord is good and he shines his light and his love and his reign and his provision on the just and the unjust, on the righteous and the unrighteous but he sees that they don't live in dependence on him. That they don't fit in his vision for the world. He wishes for things and he does things. What does he do? Verse 33, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been, literally as long as I am. May my meditation be pleasing to him for I rejoice in the Lord. His life is a song of praise, a song of thankfulness. His life is a song of praise to God. He finds true joy in the one who provides so richly for him. And I wonder, do you? Do I? Do I?
Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. I don't like the song, actually, to be honest. It irritates me. I'll happily sing Father Abraham had many kids like all day long. But you know what? I love its theme. I love its theme. The Lord is my provider. The Lord is my provider. And I want to say, praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Should we do that now? Should we pray together? And praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all the good things you give us. Father, we thank you and praise you for um, your word. Father, that uh, you uh, would speak to us through your scriptures. Father, that you would ultimately speak to us through the person and work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, we thank you amidst all the needs we have as your creatures in this world. We need food and we're thankful that you give it to us. We need um, people. We, we thank you for those things. We, we need shelter. Thank you for giving us all that. But Lord, we also do thank you and praise you tonight that you have given us the one thing that we desperately needed, which was forgiveness and the opportunity to be reconciled with you again. And so, Father, we thank you that you provide for us so richly. We thank you that you've given us your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, it's because of Jesus that we can sing and praise you all the days of our lives, not just today, but forever. Lord, we, we thank you for the work you've done in our lives this year. Our Father, help. Thank you that you've kept holding on to us, uh, for many of us in the midst of some difficulties and hardships. We also praise you, Father, for all the joyful things you've given us and done amongst us. But Lord, do help us, Father, to uh, do what the psalmist does here, long to see your name lifted high in the world. Father, a longing to um, be in a place where there is no sin, there is no death, there is no crying, there is no mourning, and we're thankful that you're going to pull that off. And Father, we thank you that between here and now, when we see you and enjoy you forever, we pray that praise and thankfulness would be our song, that we would live lives of gratitude. And Father, we just help us, you'd help us by your spirit to do this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.